Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. My husband is short, but apparently I'm shorter because I'm tripping on his robe. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> Uh, my name is Eliza Sanders. If you have not worshipped with us before, I am Mark's wife. I do thank you for prayers for him as he is dealing with <clears throat> some sort of kidney stone issue um, and is currently seeking medical attention. So uh, we are trying to get to the bottom of this and hopefully we will have answers soon. He's already undergone a bunch of uh, tests, so hopefully we will know what's going on. <clears throat> if you would, please join me in prayer. Transcendent God, maker of the universe, how strange it seems that you would care about us, just a small part of your creation. But Father, not only do you care, you call us beloved. You sent your son to die for us. And not just for us, Lord, but for the whole world. And Father, today, we ask that that thought be very near to our hearts so that we would understand your love, that we would be part of that love, that we would know that love, and that we would share that love with a world that is dying and in need of a savior. For we ask all things in thy son's name. Amen. So Mark has written an absolutely gorgeous sermon, and um, he was on the way here trying to tell me what I needed to say, and I told him that I was going to preach my own sermon. <laughs> so uh, this, is not, um, this is not an ordination sermon, and this is not... Um, something I've spent a lot of time uh, writing and constructing and reading for like he does for his sermons every week. But I pray that you will take the humble offerings of my heart and that they would speak to you today. So we're going to be in Jonah um, 3 and 4 today. And um, this is actually inspired by someone who I heard preach recently. And it really has started a lot of thought processes processes in my own mind, um, and so I pray that it would touch your heart as it touched mine. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out, against the call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. That is an eight-word sermon, ladies and gentlemen. Jonah preached eight words, and a whole city repented. 
Now, I know that you're not a pastor, but can I promise you that any pastor would be happy to know that eight words could cause people to repent. An eight-word sermon. You would think that at the end of this, Jonah would be happy. And that, look, though, what happens in chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? I'm going to stop there. One of the things that is super frustrating as a teacher is the fact that people are always in your business. And what I mean about that is, we have lots of people telling us how we should teach, what we should teach, the ways we should teach, and a lot of those people have never been in a classroom or they haven't been in a classroom in years. And so in education, we talk about the three-year cycle. You're going to do something for three years and then it's going to go away and you're never going to hear about it again until 10 more years have passed and then it's going to come back around. If you were a teacher, you know what I mean. That's the way we do it. We teach, we teach children to read by phonics, phonics only. And then we teach whole word acquisition. And then we go back to phonics. And then we blend phonics and whole word acquisition. And now there's a whole new training called letters training that all of the elementary school teachers have to go through. And it doesn't matter if you're a first-year teacher or a 20-year teacher, you have to go through it. Now, letters training is a really good thing, and I'm not saying it isn't because it has proven scientific research behind it, but... It is very frustrating when someone who thinks they know your business tells you how to do your job. And you can imagine that in lots of ways. You can think about a time in your life when you were frustrated because somebody was telling you how to do your business, right? We all have had moments like that. But here, we see a very interesting situation. Jonah is angry with God for saving the people of Nineveh. I told you, God, that you were going to save them, that I didn't need to go. You were going to do that. Jonah is telling God how to do his business. Now, we might think it's very presumptuous of Jonah, but do we not do the same thing? Do we not tell God what his business should be and how to do it? Do we not get angry with God when he doesn't do the things the way we think they should be done or how they should go? I don't know about you, but I've been angry with God. I've been angry with God when things didn't go the way I thought they should go. 
I've been angry with God because I thought, well, this was a good thing. Why didn't God let this happen? You know, I had a, a friend who had a child who was very sick, and the child was so sick that it appeared they were going to die. And they kept saying over and over again to me, but this cannot be God's will. And that is a very hard thing for a person to understand. How does a good God let bad things happen? And so the question comes, do we trust God or do we not? Do we trust God in the bad times just like we trust him in the good times? Do we only want to know God's business when things are going well with our life? Do we believe that there are people in our world who are not worthy of the love of God? You know, none of us would say yes to that statement, but the truth is we all have a little bit of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son with us, right? I do. I have a little bit of the older brother in me. The story, if you're not familiar with it, is that the younger brother says to the father, I, give me my inheritance now. Well, father says, I'm not dead yet. The younger brother says, well, that's just a technicality. And so he gets his money and he goes off and he lives in a foreign country and he squanders his money. And he's now out in this foreign country living with the pigs, just eating the food the pigs eat because that's all he can do. And he says, even the servants in my father's house are treated better than this. Let me go home. And when he goes home, the father's looking for him. And he runs to him and he puts the robe on him and he kills the fatted calf and has a party for him. And what does the older son do? I've been faithful to you my whole life, God. And let you let good things happen to those people and not to me. We like to tell God his business. Jonah likes to tell God his business. He's super happy about a plant that grows that he did not cause to grow. And then he's super mad when the plant is eaten up by God, eaten up by a worm that God has sent. And so God says to him, do you do well to be angry? And he says, yes, I do. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? I love Jonah for this Last piece of scripture alone. If you want to see the heart of God, look here. Who doesn't know their left from their right? Children. And a few adults. <laughs> but children. God says, should I let these children die? And then look what he says. And also much cattle. I don't know how you feel about animals, but we love our cat. And I know some of you have dogs and cats and other things that you love. Do you think God doesn't care about animals? He does. And Pastor Mark's been talking to us about creation care. God cares about his creation. And he cares about children and animals. 
And he says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand, and also so many cattle? Jonah, can you not look and see? Now, we don't get the rest of the story here. We don't know if Jonah says, you're right, God. You're right. I shouldn't have been angry. You're right. You're so much wiser than me. We really hope Jonah said that, but I'm going to think it wasn't immediate because the times I've been angry with God, it wasn't immediate that I got over it. It took a while. It took God working on my heart. But the question that we come to at the end of this today is, am I trying to tell God his business or am I praying that God would have me be about his business? What is God's business? The redemption of the world. The saving of souls. Giving love and grace. Telling people that there's a better way. Showing people there's a better way. Mark's sermon today, he asked the question... Should our church pray to look like other churches or should our church pray to be unique, the church that God wants us to be? You see, when we say we want to look like other churches and be like other churches, we have to first ask ourselves the question, are those churches about the business of God? If they're not, we should not want to look like other churches. And so we should come to God and say, God, what is it that you would have for me? What is it that you would have for my church? God, these are the things we want, but you know what? What we really want more than anything is we want your will. We want more of you and less of us. And if we could have a church with more of God and less of us, would it not be an absolutely amazing place? If we could have a world with more of God and less of us, would it not be an absolutely amazing place? Guys, what I'm talking about today is not an easy thing. And I can promise you this. Many of you already have heard me say this before, but I prayed a long time for a child. And when I was finally able to fall pregnant and God took that baby from me, I was angry at him. It was, he did not know his business. And it was not a quick thing for me to get over. And I say that not for pity or for anything else, but to say to you today that sometimes we don't understand the business of God. But that doesn't mean that God's wrong and we're right. It means that even in the hard times, we have to trust him. And I look out across here, and I know that there have been people who have left us. There's holes. There's places in our life where we wish people were still here. We wish search situations were different. But we have to put those things in God's hands and let him be in the business that he's in. And at the same time, we need to pray and say, God, help me to be part of your business. Henry Blackaby says it like this in Experiencing God. God, show me where you are, you're at work. God, show me where you're at work and let me be part of that work. As we come today into deacon ordination, really, as a deacon, you can do nothing better than that. 
but to pray, God, show me where you're at work and let me be at work there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, Lord, and maybe hear it in a different way than we've heard it before. Father, we know Jonah doesn't have a right to be angry, and we know we've been angry at times that we don't have a right to be angry. But Father, we do believe. Help our disbelief. Help our disbelief, Lord, that we may be more of you and less of us, and that our church may reflect more of you and less of us. For we ask all things in thy son's name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.